Dear Sylvia, it's Saturday, April 11th, it's still 2020, still coronavirus season. Um, here in, in Istanbul, we went down on official lockdown last night at midnight. This was announced at 10 p.m. with absolutely no details, and so people rushed out onto the streets and got in line for bread and rushed into these markets, and people even came in open markets that were normally closed at that hour, and it kind of defeated the purpose because there were just huge crowds of people <laughs> um, trying to stock up for what is essentially going to be a 48-hour lockdown, so they say everything will go back to normal on Monday, which also kind of defeats the purpose because kind of, you know, well, what's the deal with only two days? <clears throat> but I think it's, you know, economic concerns that are driving the politics. So what can you do? All right. So um, thank you so much for your last letter. Um, I hope the intervening days have, have, have gone well for you and hopefully maybe a little less stressful. Maybe you've gotten more writing done. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't think I need to tell you that I'm very curious to read what you're writing anytime you want to share it with me. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, to, uh, say good on you for giving, um, the actresses in this, <laughs> in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the proper credit, well, and also Blue is the Warmest Color by actually providing names. Sorry, I've been pretty lazy about that. Um, so, yeah. And you, you named some favorite scenes, which also are uh, still very vivid for me, uh, and asked if I had any, any particular, uh, particular favorite scenes. And... I, I mean, I thought about it. It's, there's so many scenes, right? So I just tried to remember, you know, what, what really, what immediately comes to mind, kind of. And I think one is the piano scene, uh, when Marianne first plays the piano. And, uh, yeah, the way Eloise looks at her in that scene. And then obviously, you know, that it, I mean, now I have, spoiler alert, right? And we, that once you've watched it, you know how that's going to come back to you um, at the end. And uh, and I think, you know, of course, when they tell each other about the the particular mimics that are unique to each, and and uh, and how you know they reveal their emotions through their movements, which goes back to the, you know, who do you, who who do you think I'm looking at when you're looking at me, <clears throat> which we talked about before, which says so much I think about even <clears throat> really the nature of love, which I'm gonna uh, speak to a little bit. Um, again, here later. <clears throat> yeah, the reading scene with the story of Eurydice is just wonderful. It's absolutely fabulous. And another scene that, <laughs> I don't know, I found that really stuck with me and I, um, was, was when Marianne and Eloise were pushing Sophie back and forth and trying to force her into a miscarriage. And also just the, the way that each of them also reacted differently, um, you know, where one is just standing there waiting and the other one's like giving her this forceful push. And I wondered what even their behaviors in that scene were supposed to kind of reflect or what, what they also revealed about about their characters, maybe. So, yeah. And so in thinking about this film still again, 
so, well, I mean, I've I've thought about it, and then in the, in the meantime, one th- well, one thing I was I I did today was um, I have these two big suitcases um, at home, which here in Istanbul, which belong to my uh, great great aunt Adelaide, so my grandma's aunt. Um, so my my grandma had these two aunts who were school teachers and lived together their entire lives. One one of them got married for a brief time, um, but then her husband died uh, after, I think, three years. And so they moved back in together. <clears throat> and her husband, I was always told, committed suicide. But anyways, I don't know uh, the the exact details. I was looking to see if I could find, because we have... I we ha- I have this enormous collection of family obituaries that I've inherited, but I couldn't find his. Um, in any case, the the two aunts, B and Adelaide, moved back in together, and lived together for the rest of their lives. And they never had children, so when when they passed away, they left everything to my grandma. And then from my grandma to my dad, and from my dad to me, and so uh, I think I might have told you before that I you know when my dad passed away in two thousand fourteen, I brought over a lot of their a lot of the furniture that was left from them too and from my grandma's place and and um and also just a lot of photos i mean i i ended up having to donate hundreds and hun- hundreds of photos to the genealogical society in Pickaway County <clears throat> back where i'm from and then with the rest whatever i brought here i had them scanned so they'd have them there at the library but but i brought them back with me so i brought two big suitcases full and i every now and then i'll kind of just pull a few things out and look at them and sometimes I you know share on Facebook or something so we have these wonderful wonderful photos you know going back generations um but I've always been hesitant to drag out everything really put it in order which is um not really I mean usually in my nature to want to put things in order so I've been putting this off for a long time and then today I said I'm going to open these up and I'm going to try to put things in a little bit of chronological order and all of that and in the process of going through all these photos and different papers, I found a letter that I thought I had misplaced. And I've even mentioned this to, you know, kind of close friends and relatives over the years, this this particular letter. Now I wish I could find it. And I don't know how it, it's it been here all this time. And I, I didn't know. Um, but I found this letter. And so this letter is uh, from my preschool teacher, Miss Marsha, who was my teacher when I was three and four. You're, gonna, you're really wondering how this is going to tie back to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm very sure. Just hold on. It's a very suspenseful letter, this one, Sylvia. So I found this letter, and um, it's just the most beautiful letter. And I had remembered it because, you know, so Miss Marsha came to my grandma's funeral. My grandma died in 1990, and she, so she died, um, yeah, July 11th, 1990, so three days after my 12th birthday. Last time I saw her was on my twelfth birthday, and you know she was a a major figure in my life and really helped to raise me, and and you know Miss Marsha knew this, and uh, she wrote me this beautiful letter and I mean I hadn't seen her you know for years really, um, but she just wrote the most wonderful quite you know five page legal pad letter and this beautiful beautiful script. and and I I remembered she'd written that, and I especially remember at the end. Then there's there's another page that has a poem because she writes in it, um, 
and actually I'll quote from that a bit. She says, a year or so ago, I was mopping my kitchen floor on my hands and knees, as I always do, and I was visited, quotation marks, by the image of your Uncle Mike and another friend of mine from Dayton, where I am from, who was also killed as a very young man in Vietnam. I always thought that I would send a copy of the poem to your grandmother, but never knew which Spangler she was in the phone book. I'm enclosing it with this letter now for you. She wrote this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful poem. And the reason I'm, I'm kind of quoting this, just to give you an idea of, of, of the letter, and, and it, you know, goes on. It's, a, it, it's very, uh, you know, uh, let me say, um, very encouraging. She's just very, being, trying to be very encouraging and, you know, telling me how she, she lost her father when she was seven and to cancer and um, really... Uh, um, how to say, it's very empathetic and it, it's beautiful. And she also goes on a few times, which actually she'd written me the previous year. She'd uh, written me a card and she'd sent it, but it came back because she had our, my old address and she thought she'd thrown the card away. And then she found the card again and she thought, oh, I should throw this away. I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know why I'm keeping it. And then she says, for some reason, again, she didn't throw it away, and then she goes out the next day, and she happens to see my see my father on the street, and um, calls out to him, and he said he seemed distraught, and then uh, she says, you know, later I realized why, it was because your grandma was in the hospital, but then she goes home, and she finds this card, <laughs> so she, it's, she enclosed the card um, with this letter this time, and she'd sent me this when she saw my photo, I'd won an award, and it was, had a little photo, um, in the local paper, and so she cut it out and sent it to me and congratulated me and all of that. But I just want to read this this bit, which I just think is just very I don't know. It's just beautifully written and 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 very sweet. Although the picture in the paper tells me, as I saw last year when when I starred, when, sorry, although the picture in the paper tells me, as I saw last year when I toured with Lion, which with. Lion witch wardrobe, you have grown into a pretty young lady, but I can still see a cuddly little cherub with a pixie's face and haircut, and can, if I close my eyes, almost feel the little arms about my neck. And I wonder if she is still so fond of Minnie Mouse, and if she still chews grape bubble gum. Do you remember the time you were chewing gum when it was time for snack? And I said, Amy, may I have your gum, please? I thought you would know I wanted to discard it, but instead you generously replied, Sure, Miss Marcia, if you like grape. So, yeah. but it's just a very cute memory and the fact that she, you know, um, remem- remembered it all those years and wrote it to me. It was just very, very sweet. And um, she writes that the little girl in the front of this card reminds reminds uh, her of me. And, uh, yeah, I have to send you a photo of it. And I found one photo. I have one photo of m- me with Miss Marcia. Um, that I'll also send you. But, I mean, this, these kind of these two things coming together, so all of this just made me think of, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, just the nature of love in a way, because, you know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I, I mean, I, that's what it's about, right? Um, it's really a movie about love. And this Kind of made me go back and and <laughs> open up Eric Fromm's um, The Art of Loving, you know this I mean somewhat dated 
uh, modern classic, but of, of, you know, existentialist um, psychology. And uh, I think... I think it's actually aged very well. Um, or should I say, I don't know, is it psychology, it philosophy? I guess it's a little bit of both. It's, it's you know, even some theology in there. Um, but I've, I always love kind of going back into kind of Eric Fromm and Rollo May and, and, and these people. Um, and just, yeah, I, I, I find, I just find a lot to mine from what, what, what they write. And in, in this book in particular, and uh, I think even, even though of course, port- in the portrait of a lady on fire, and and in the case of Miss Marcia, uh, you know, obviously very different stories, but um, you know, there's stories about love, and I think, I mean, the thing with Miss Marcia that really, excuse me, um, what, what saddens me, what leaves question marks in my mind is she she sadly committed suicide in 1994, so not even that long after having written these, and she was 46, she was very young, and, uh, you know, I, I think obviously there are mental health issues there, and, and I, I find that so frightening and disturbing, the idea that someone could be so full of love, which she, tr- I mean, clearly was, yet be capable of negating herself. Um, because one thing, you know, the, all, all, I mean, Eric Fromm and all these kind of people go back to is this idea of self-love. And I know in our day and age, people go on and on about self-care, which is also very important, but I think the idea of self-love is something very different. It's very different from selfishness as well, right? So the idea that, so so the idea is that you have to have practiced self love in order to love other people and vice versa. That these capacities kind of go hand in hand. And so it just really saddens me that obviously the the that didn't work out for Miss Marcia. Um, but I went so this took me back to Rollo May, and and I just was looking at because I I mark up. I mark up a lot of my books, actually. I know some people are not in favor of that, but um, I do it. What can I say? Um, but this, just this idea of what, you know, that, that love, he, he says, requires the art to practice, to practice, ah, truly practice the art of loving requires, you know, discipline, concentration, and patience. It's like with any anything you do. Um, and And I think, you know, part of the argument here is that we, just take this for granted and we assume these are <clears throat> things that should happen spontaneously whereas no if you want to look at it as an art it means you that that it requires you giving parts of yourself really um and and putting on I'm, I'm really struggling it's so it's so funny really it's so <laughs> antithetical to the argument that i'm struggling not to use the word investment right you want to invest uh, just because that conjures up so you know idea of money more than anything, but um, that that there are so many. But maybe we could say that there are so many other parts of life that we're fine. We say yes, that's worthy of discipline, or that's worthy of concentration, it's worthy of patience. But we don't think of love in that way. Um, of course, I mean all of this doesn't mean you're self-flagellating yourself to to do this. It should all be a part of your own 
you know, your own will, and it it, it should be rewarding in a way that you want to do it anyways. Um, but I wanted to read just a couple of quotes, so, um, that just, anyway, I mean, maybe kind of trite at this point, but I still love these, some of his lines, and to think that this was written, you know, so many decades ago, but it's so true, nothing's really gotten better. Um, so he says, in so many other aspects, dot, 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 let's say, right? Human values have become determined by economic values. What is good for machines must be good for man. So goes the logic. Modern man thinks he loses something, time, when he does not do things quickly. Yet he does not know what to do with the time he gains, except kill it. Which, I don't know, just thinking about also just in the, these corona times and with all the time we have and all the pressures that are on us to keep the economy going and all of this, I don't know. That was, it's a very uh, short, but I think um, meaningful couple of, uh, or excerpt, sorry. And then I have one, one more, one more thing, which is when I first read it, I mean, I, it, I, I thought it was very, just a very striking thought is this, the idea so you, that you recognize that while one is consciously afraid of not being loved, the real, the usually unconscious fear is that of loving, which is such a mind-opening thing, I think. And so, I don't know, maybe obvious. It's so many, but so many of the, so many truths seem obvious when we first hear them, right? We think, of course. And uh, but, but I, I think we assume we know a lot of things that we don't, and then when they're expressed, that's when we truly kind of start to grasp them so that uh yeah so I think so in, in that in that respect I mean that's kind of what I, I think makes a uh, portrait of a lady on fire such a beautiful portrait of love really in the this kind of openness and one thing I was thinking too is that um we we may not believe in Marianne and Eloise's love if they didn't care for Sophie as they did because I think it's a true reflection of their of of this this capa- capability to love um in, in in general as well this generosity uh so yeah and and yeah the whole discipline concentration patience i mean the whole film is kind of an exercise in these things i mean it's not and again it's that it's it's obviously of their own free will i mean it's but it takes a certain discipline to even recognize and and you know watch a person so carefully that 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 you see what behaviors are reflecting what particular emotions right um yeah and and even you know for for miss marsha to remember these things about me and describe these things to me and put the you know write these letters and <laughs> and all of this um, and, and even with my, with my uncle Mike, who she says even, I remember even my grandma's funeral, she it told me she didn't know him well, but she never forgot him. She never forgot him, and she wrote this poem for him, um, and, and her other friend, which, which, I guess I will close with the poem. Um, I wasn't going to read it, but I am going to read it now. So this will be in, in, in memory of Miss Marcia as well. Quiet presence, always quiet, shy, holding death inside, like a sleeping warden, 
too close for carefree clamor, which might stir him sooner yet than soon enough. Never much to say, no rush of wasted words, telling what is known to those who cannot hear or to those who can as well in silence. Everyone's to smile, broad-mouthed, beaming smiles with crying eyes, betraying wizened souls that knew too much to tell than end in violence. Two young men whose images mind's eyes holds forever young. Two young men pass through my kitchen door as I mop the floor this cloudy June. What summoned you, young men, I casually knew, blown from the sphere some 20 years ago to come again in silence, your sad-eyed smiles reminding me of what? The strength, the, the eternity of a quiet presence. In memory of Michael Spangler, Circleville, and Wayne Bond, Dayton, casualties of the Vietnam War. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I think, beautiful and loving act that she would write that. So I'm going to close this letter, which I think is heavy enough <laughs> for one day. And I do want to say that in my next letter, I want to talk a little bit uh, about Paradise Rot and also kind of juxtapose it with The True Deceiver by Tove Janssen. Um, I think I may have given that book a bit of a short shrift in my last letter. So, yeah, and, and this being in a way, there's a little bit of a dark side to this letter, but in a way, um, I think The True Deceiver and Paradise Rot are going to be a more a, a more uh, more of a reflection on the the dark sides of humanity right and our our not so pleasant natures maybe and how we deceive ourselves or not so sylvia i hope you're doing well and i can't wait to receive your next letter and please take care and let me know how you're doing soon bye